Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Lace Covered Life, where I, Lacey, cover life. Oh my gosh, it is so crazy what's going on right now. Like, and I'm not covering that today because I just, I, I feel like I need a break from social media and, and life and all of that. I wish that I had a more positive message for you today, but um, that's not it. So this is your, your warning. If you're looking for something like rainbows and butterflies that just pick a different podcast or a different episode to listen to. Um, but if you really just want to be like in your feelings and, um, possibly have a cry day, anything like that, pull up a chair, buckle in cause it's about to get real. So, um, if you read the name and description today's podcast is about grief and I have been trying to film the or film this record this episode for the past I don't even know like 11 months not even 11 months like seven months I would say ever since I started my podcast I knew that this was an episode that I wanted to do um and it just so happens that the anniversary of my mom's death is tomorrow. And so I was like, you know what? I just, I need to get this out because I mean, what better way to record this than like, you know, an actual, like where I'm feeling the complete aftershocks, I would say of grief, because I feel like, and we'll get into this, but I feel like as time goes on, there's a lot less time in, you know, where I'm like really overwhelmed with my feelings of grief and stuff like that. But it's just, yeah, it's crazy. So, um, yeah, this was your warning. Um, go back if you want to stay positive today. So, um, to start with, uh, I just want to tell you what this episode is and what it is not. So this is me, sharing my personal experiences with grief. Uh, This is not any type of like pity party or anything like that. As an Enneagram three, I one hate being vulnerable and I hate like sharing feelings and, and things like that. So this particular episode is really hard for me, but I do it as, you know, sharing my experience so that other people who are grieving one know that they're not alone and two people who know people who are grieving know how to handle and um best I don't want to say deal with but best deal with them because you do have to kind of white glove those people and so um I just that's the goal of this I don't I don't want anyone to feel like oh you know it's poor me my mom died blah 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 because that's it's not what it is. So, um, so let me give you some backstory on my credentials for having a grief podcast. Um, when I, the first person that I lost as an adult that I feel like really affected me was my grandma because her and I were really close. Um, there was a point where I wasn't speaking to either of my parents. It was my senior year of high school and my grandma was really the the only person that was there for me. Um, neither of my parents knew where I was at. Like I was living in a friend's house and it was just, it was a really weird time in my life, but my grandma always stood by me 
and she always had my back no matter what. And she just, she was a great, great person. So I would say that was probably the first loss that I had that was like, oh gosh, like kind of earth shattering for me. Um, but again, I felt like my grandma was older, so not that that's, that makes it any easier, but in the grand scheme of the, the people, amount of people I've lost and all that, like it, you know, it hurt less, I would say compared to some others. And that might be really weird, but that's just how I feel. So, um, the second, uh, not really person, but the second loss I had was when my dog died and whew, that was really, really hard because at the time I, I didn't have children. So to me, it felt like, uh, like I, somebody was ripping my heart out and I had gotten my dog when I was 19, 18, 19. And he basically was with me through my twenties, you know, my early twenties into my late twenties. And, um, just, it was like me and him against the world. And he was the best dog ever. Like all of my friends and family know, like he carried around a blankie and it was just, he got me. Like if I was sad, he just, he understood and he would come and like curl up in my lap and just, he was the best dog. And so he actually ended up getting cancer and that turned me into a neurotic mess to the point where I was like counting his breaths at night. And like, I mean, I was crying constantly all the time. It, it just, it was so roller coaster and we ended up getting his leg amputated because the cancer was in his leg. And this was at the, you know, advice of the vet. This wasn't like, we just went in, we're like, hack it off. Um, and we thought everything was good. And a couple months later found out he had gotten a different kind of cancer apparently. And, um, yeah, so we had to put him down, which was all really, really, really hard to deal with. And one thing I want to say, like for my friends who, and, and for people who have children and pets, like, and for people who just have pets, when people who just have pets say like, you know, I feel like they're my children. I like, I feel like you just kind of like us as people with pets and children, you just kind of have to let that go because you know, a lot of times they're just trying to connect with you and say like, yeah, like I just, I can't imagine that that would be like losing a child to me, like, cause they are their child. So uh, some people get all bent out of shape about that. I mean, I kind of choose to overlook it because you can only go with the experience that you've had. Right. Um, so that was my second really like, like that one was awful. And And even then, I remember the day that I found out he had cancer, the first person I called was my mom. And I was just, like, losing it. Like, she she was like, what's happening? You know, who died? And and all of that. Like, I could barely talk. I was crying so hard. And she was the first person I called. And um, so that makes this next one a little bit harder. Side note on this, um, because of the nature of this podcast and the fact that I want to be very transparent and very real with you guys, I'm not going to edit any of this. So like if, if you hear a long pause or you hear some like sniffles here and there, that's because I'm not editing those out. So, um, because this is like really a lot to talk about, especially in, um, being the day before. So, okay. Um, so then my mom, my mom passed away two years ago and whew, um, 
I, I, I didn't even, you know, we didn't even see that coming. It wasn't like she had cancer or anything like, and not that that's like saying, you know, you should see that coming, but, um, she didn't really have any illnesses or anything like that. Like it was just boom. Like I, and I'll just kind of lay this out for you. So the, the day was just like any other, um, it was a week it's a week before Hadley's birthday. I'm getting, you know, it's me and Brayden and Hadley and we're just hanging out. And I like have pictures of us being goofy on the couch and all of that. And we had just taken Hadley's one year pics that morning with my sister Grace. And, um, it was just like this weird, like rainy, gloomy day. And my sister calls me and says, um, mom's not breathing. And like instantly it was like Brayden kind of saw my face, heard, you know, kind of heard Abby on the phone. And like, I just start running around and I'm just like putting random stuff in bags. Like I'm not even really doing anything of worth at that point. I'm just like in shock and he is getting Hadley around and putting stuff all together and is like, okay, like, let's go. Like, we'll all go to this together. And my sister told me that the paramedics were working on her. So, I mean, even at that point I was still like, okay, like this is going to be fine. Like I'm not really like, it's going to be okay. Right. Like my mind is just like in protection mode. We're going to be okay. So we're driving up there and this whole time that we're on the drive. So I don't, a lot of you know this, but like, um, I live like 40 minutes from where I grew up and and where my mom lives. So we're driving up there and I'm just like super quiet and just listening to music. And, um, just my sister calls me and said she died like literally those exact words. And like, it just, I feel like and anybody who has had somebody die, like you instantly, like, it's just like everything goes still. And you're just kind of like, what? Like (laughs) your mind, I swear to God, puts you into this shock and you can register what's happening around you, but like you don't register it. So the rest of the drive, we get up there, we pull up and I remember getting out of my, out of the truck and just running and hugging my sisters and like that was it like we waited for um the the ambulance to like come out and like they took her body and and all this stuff and all these people are standing on the porch it's raining it's gross everyone's like crying and like then it's like I go into okay being a three what can I get done? What tasks can I focus on? Because I need to get outside of what is happening right now. Right. So I start like texting people, calling people, letting them know. And it's like, I mean, it, it's just like you, you are calling so many people just to, to let them know what happened, that you're just like focused on that. And then it's just, we decided to kind of go to my sister's house and change and, you know, cause then at that point we went into planning mode, like, okay, we have to plan a funeral. We have to do this. And it was just like, what's the next step? What's the next step? What's the next step? And honestly, I will say 
the those three days were probably the easy and I don't want to say easy but like in the grand scheme of things those were the easiest days because you are so busy with you know going through things and and just separating things out and planning a funeral getting pictures all of that stuff that it's like your mind is so focused on that and then you know the funeral comes the viewing the funeral and everything and then it's done and 100% I will say those were the easiest days because you have all this stuff to focus on and like the real hard part is after because there's no like there it's so final right but all of the things that used to happen right so like I could go a week without talking to my mom and and we would be fine right but two weeks three weeks two months like that's when I really started to notice that it was like okay, like this is, this is really final. Like she's not here anymore. And, oh, excuse me. Um, I think that anybody that has lost somebody or a pet or whatever, like knows that it's when, you know, like I would always talk to my mom after work. So it was like those drives home when it was quiet, there was no one to talk to. And, there'd be times I'd call one of my friends or my sister or something just to like fill that void and nobody would answer because you know people are busy and it was just like okay like this is you know it made it even worse you know um so I would say that was probably the worst and then like so I had already planned Hadley's birthday because it was the you know, like, um, we had, she died on Sunday and then I think we had her funeral on Tuesday or Wednesday, I think Wednesday. And then, you know, I talked to my sisters and the rest of my family and my mom was so big into birthdays. Oh my God. Like it was, <laughs> everyone deserved to have their special day. And so we were like, do we have the birthday party? Do we not? You know? And then it was just kind of like, she would want us to have the birthday party. So we had this birthday party and there's a picture of, um, my sisters and I and Hadley. And it's just like, you could just see on our faces. It was like, like, I'm pretty sure my eyes were raw from just crying all the time. Um, and I mean like not like a, you know, like when you have like a bad day and you cry, like this was like straight up ugly crying, blood vessels bursting in the face, like eyes swollen and just like, it was, it was so bad. My eyes used to hurt so bad from crying so much. And so we had the birthday party. I was really glad we did. It was, it was so weird, but, um, you know, it was her first birthday, so we couldn't, couldn't miss that. And then afterwards it was just kind of like, I went back to work that following Monday and I remember walking in and it was just like, like after about a couple days, it was kind of like I was walking in and I felt like I just had this like gigantic hole in my chest. And it was like, you didn't want people to talk to you about it because that just, you know, made you cry. 
or you did want people to ask you about it and people didn't want to because they didn't want to upset you. And it's like, you just are walking around with this giant hole and you're like, does anybody see this? Like, can anybody see this gigantic hole in my chest and how like empty I feel? And I work in a call center type environment and, um, I remember sitting there thinking, I am in a room of over a hundred people and I've never felt more isolated and alone in my entire life. And to the, to the people I work with, to their credit, like they were amazing and I love all of them. Like they were so great through all of it. So it, it wasn't on them. It was more just that feeling of nobody knows what I'm feeling right now. And I just feel you feel so alone, like with your grief. So, um, it just, and then it seemed like everything reminded me of her all the time. And it, you know, like I remember reaching for any possible like connection with her and I'd look at our old emails and I would cry. And then it was just, it became this like really bad cycle of, you know, I would find something that, you know, maybe I forgot or something like that. And it would remind me of her. I'd listen to this grief podcast and it would, I would cry and it just, it was bad. So, um, but I noticed as time went on, it became, it, it was still this big, like part of my life that was gone, but the rest of my life kind of like grew around it. Right. So Anybody that tells you like, oh, time heals all wounds, like it doesn't, right? Obviously, I'm, it's still two years later and I'm still crying about it, but it it just becomes different and your life becomes different. It just like molds around this, you know, this wound or however you want to really visualize it. But so I remember there would be times when I'm like, oh, I and this sounds bad, but I I didn't even think about my mom today or like the fact that she's gone today and not that like I didn't want to think about my mom, but I didn't want to be sad anymore. And I was going to therapy and all of that. And, um, I was going to therapy before all of this, but it just kind of helped that I was already going. Um, and it's amazing how much of your life and how like your emotions and and feelings that you didn't realize were tied to your grief that are you know kind of seep into the other parts of your life so one I had to have a conversation with Brayden because I needed to tell him like hey first off thanks for for dealing with all of this Um, but two I'm sorry that I can't be like this you know, the person that you need me to be right now, because I can barely be there for myself. Like I'm just trying to stay afloat, keep my head above water, keep moving. Um, if any of you have seen frozen Two, like the, the honest song about the next right thing is literally so spot on because that's, that's just like what you're trying to buckle down and do is just do the next thing that gets you to the next place that gets you to the next place. And, um, then one day you kind of look up and you're like, you take a deep breath and you're just like, okay, like this, I'm getting to a place that I'm okay. Right. So, um, the one thing I did too, was I, 
I got a journal, so I'm really big on journaling, and <laughs> I kept a journal in middle school and high school and, and kind of after that a little bit, and maybe sometime I'll read some stuff from it because it is so funny. One, I love to see progress. I love to see like, oh yeah, I was super upset about that at the time, but now I'm like, I don't even care who that boy was, <laughs> like stuff like that. So I thought, okay, I'm going to get this journal and it's basically like just me writing letters to my mom. And at the, like what I did at the top is I wrote the five stages of grief all across the top and I would circle which one I'm going through. And for a long time, they said, you know, you, you start with this stage and you move on to this one and this one and this one. And actually that's not really the truth. Like you can be in any stage of grief at any point in time. And it's not like linear. It's like all over the place. Like it's this sticky, messy web where you jump from bargaining to anger. And then, you know, you go to acceptance back to bargaining and denial. And you're just kind of all over the place with it. And even, you know, you might be at acceptance for six months and then something happens and you're back to anger. So I thought, okay, if I can identify like which ones that I'm, you know, really seeing a lot, then I know like, okay, I'm, I'm progressing through this. I'm, I'm moving through these stages and I could def, I mean, I really could tell the times that I was angry and these letters and stuff that I wrote, but looking back, I mean, I can see like just the emotion and, and feeling and, and all of that, like it, it's rough. Um, but then over time it was kind of like, the letters that I was writing up farther and farther, you know, time in between them. And then the tone of them started to change to where it was more like a, like more of like less blaming and less like sadness to more like happiness. And like, this is what is going on in my life. And, and, you know, you would have loved this and and stuff like that. So I highly recommend if you're somebody who has lost somebody or maybe you know someone who has lost somebody, it's a really good gift. And it's just to say, hey, you can document your journey through this or, you know, I'm just somebody who really likes to get my feelings out, whether that's on paper or through this type of thing. I do think that um, my mom passing kind of led me to podcasting because you know, I, I always had these conversations with her. And so it was kind of like, you know what, if I can't have them with her, I'm just going to like record them and get them out before I just explode. So, um, a journal is, is where it's at. So one thing I noticed too, is that when you lose somebody like for, you know, I lost my mom People have no idea how to act with that. Like they, we, I mean, we had people that messaged my sisters and I and were like, how did your mom die? Because we didn't put it in the obituary because honestly, we didn't really know at the time. Um, And so it was like, so like rude one, don't ever do that. If you ever feel like you need to message somebody and ask how somebody died, I would highly recommend that you are a very, very close best friend, whatever to do that, because it's, it's just crazy to just message somebody, especially somebody you don't know well and just say, Hey, how did so-and-so die? Like it's very impersonal and and all that. Like it was real. 
I was very mad about that. But then I also noticed that, um, like some of my best friends just like, I like they disappeared, like they were just gone. And it, I had talked to my therapist about it and, you know, she had mentioned like, people don't know what to do with this or, and they don't know how to act. And that's not really a fault of either party. Um, but it's, you know, me being the person that lost somebody, I can say to one of my best friends, I said, like, I want to talk about this. Like, and she was like, okay, good. Like, I was so afraid to talk about this. I didn't know if you wanted to or not. And, and just like, you know, she was stressing out about this because she didn't want to upset me, but she also didn't want to just pretend that it didn't happen. So once we had that conversation, it was kind of like, you know, like she, she texts me to, to check up on me and even on like, like mother's day, which is particularly hard and, um, my birthday and, like the day my mom died and stuff like that. Like she always just checks in and, um, you know, has no problem having like those hard conversations. I do have friends and, and family that we just kind of disconnected after that. And to me, um, that was a lot because of the fact that I like, that was probably one of the worst moments of my life. And I wanted people who were willing to be in the trenches with me in the worst moment of my life. Um, I use that phrase a lot. Like I, I'm willing to be in the trenches with my friends, you know, through anything. And I kind of expect the same thing from them, which I think is, is valid. You know, if your best friends, like, you know, um, that's how it should be. So I wanted my friends who were there with me through the worst times of my life to be there for the best times of my life too, you know? So I did lose some friends and family along the way. Um, losing somebody makes you realize like one, the world is, or life is so short, I became a neurotic nutcase when it came to my daughter and Brayden. Like I was having like anxiety so much that I was, you know, something was going to happen to them. And it was just, it's a lot to get through all of that and be worrying and anxiety on top of dealing with grief. And, and it's just like taking a moment to recognize like, okay, why am, is this even valid to worry about, you know? Um, and if it's not, it's kind of like, like, let's, let's let that go for now. Um, so back to, I'm rambling now. Um, but yeah, so that first year is, is rough. It's your first Christmas, your first birthday, um, your first everything without that person. And for me and my sisters, that was really hard. Um, it was really nice to have my sisters there, like with me through that journey, because, you know, while we all were grieving the same person and had kind of the same journey, we all had different perspectives. So I was, you know, 30 years old and 
I had this like adult relationship with my mom, you know, where we were more friends. Like she didn't have to tell me to clean my room anymore, (laughs) things like that. Um, you know, and I had my own daughter, I was married. And, and so I had this, you know, completely different relationship than what my sisters did. And I also had a family to focus on. And then my sister, Abby was, I think 23 or 24. And then Grace was 21, 22, something like that. And so, um, for me, especially being the big sister, like my biggest thing was like my heart hurt for them being so young and having lost my mom. Um, so it was just like, we all had these different relationships with her and, but, but we all were like able to lean on each other. And there were times we'd text each other and be like, I'm having a really bad week. And the other two would be like, me too, you know? So it was just kind of like, okay, we're all just going through this cycle together. And we can say like, I'm just like not doing okay right now without feeling judged or making somebody uncomfortable because they're like, Oh, um, uh, emotions, like what? I don't, I don't know what to do. So, um, that was really, really nice to have them and, and just have two of my best friends be able to like understand what I was going through. Um, so just a side note, like, just to tell you a little bit about my mom, just in case um, you've never met her. And this is going to be the fun part of this episode. So um, we each wrote letters to my mom on the day of her funeral. And I wrote a whole letter and then I completely scratched it and like wrote something different on the way to the funeral. So um, this is kind of what I came up with. And I want to share with you guys because it is really like, It is really funny and very accurate for how my mom is. So, um, what I learned from my mom. So always start everything you do with a ready. Okay. Five, six, seven, eight. My mom loved dancing and making up dances and dancing around the house, but we never like just started dancing. It was like a, we're like a bunch of cheerleaders and just ready. Okay five, six, seven, eight. And I mean, I'm pretty sure we did that before a lot of stuff outside of dancing too. Um, and side note, I stole that from my sister on the day of the funeral and I still feel really bad about that. So Abby, sorry about that. Um, when people come over to your house, like when you know you're going to have guests, you clean the house from top to bottom in like 10 minutes. And I don't know if any of you saw the video going around, um, a while ago, but it was like this woman running around her house yelling, company's coming, like yelling at everybody to clean. And all. that was my mom. Like, and the house would be super clean, spotless. And that was like basically only for when guests were coming over. <laughs> Otherwise it was kind of like an organized chaos. Um, it's okay to be fashionably late to everything all the time. I swear to God, I don't know how many times my mom would call me and say, yeah, uh, I'm in, you know, a villa or layado, which was like uh, 20 minutes from my house when she hadn't even left yet. Like my mom was the worst about that. Or like telling me she was going to be um, at my house at four and would show up at like 530 and just like, oh, hey, yeah, like no big deal. <laughs> So she was late to everything all the time and everyone always teased her about it. 
She was never late to work, though. Um, birthdays are a big deal. And even if you have $5, make sure to get someone a card and some candy. So she was such a freak about it. Like she would just, she'd say, even if it was like, even if you couldn't afford some big fancy thing, like it was just, you know, get a card and some candy. Um, so I have some other things like everyone deserves a little grace at any point in their life. So one thing that my mom did, um, my mom like randomly made friends with the people in our neighborhood. It was so weird. At one point, like she called me and told me that her and an old man that was like two blocks over were exchanging food. Like she would take them dinner because apparently he was taking care of his granddaughter. So she would take them down dinner and he would bring the containers back and like bring her dinner. And I'm like, how did this even happen? And even she was not really 100% sure, but it was just, she was doing stuff like that all the time. It, or like random kids would be riding on a bike around and she would just like give them popsicles. And I'm like, what? Like if I was a mom, like whose house are you at eating popsicles? But she loved it. Like she was, she just loved being there, especially for kids, like loved being this like just like light, I think, and, and loved being kind and nice. And she absolutely loved kids. Um, and so call people and leave them voicemails just to let them know you were thinking of them. I have so many voicemails saved where it was my mom just calling, Hey, it's me. Just seeing how things are going. Just give me a call back when you get a second. And I think that's so funny. It's so rare too, because I I never leave voicemails. I figure if you see a missed call from me, you're going to call me back. But she always did that. And I feel like that's such a mom thing to do. Um, put cheese on everything, even if it already has cheese on it. So she would buy like frozen macaroni and cheese, for example. She would buy that, make it, and then she would put shredded cheese on top of it. And she'd add salt and all kinds of stuff to it. And it's like, you just literally took one of the unhealthiest meals and put, like made it even more unhealthy, like, so she loved, absolutely loved cheese. The moment was a cheese freak. Um, always read the label before cooking. Otherwise, you will end up eating Thanksgiving dinner at 10 o'clock at night. So I think I mentioned this before, but just to set the scene for you, it is the first Thanksgiving that Brayden is coming to my house and to meet my mom. Well, he already met my mom, but his first Thanksgiving at our house. And my mom decides to make a ham. And she doesn't read the label. And we ended up eating at like 10 o'clock at night because the ham never got ready. So we ate the appetizers and the sides. And then finally the ham was done at 10 o'clock at night. And we were all just kind of like, okay. First off, we were starving. And so that's why we ate everything else. And then the ham finally was done. She was so embarrassed, but it was so funny. And I think I mentioned before that Braden's grandparents and his family are just always so on point with their cooking and like their presentation and everything. So it was so funny for him to come to my house and like, just have it be like a total shit show. Um, it's okay to open up Christmas presents early and it's encouraged to give people early birthday presents to this day. I hate giving people Christmas presents and birthday presents on time. Like if I can give someone an early Christmas or birthday present, I will because I absolutely, like, I just love doing it. Except for my sister Grace, for some reason, we always give each other birthday presents like three months later. I don't know what it is, but it's just a thing for us. But everyone else, I'm like, like, 
I literally gave Brayden his Father's Day gift two days ago, and Father's Day isn't for like another three weeks. So I just, especially if it's something I know people will be excited about, I, I can't handle it. I have to give it to them right away. Um, don't forget to set a timer for hard boiled eggs or they will end up on the ceiling. So my mom loved hard boiled eggs. I'm surprised she didn't put cheese on those either, but she absolutely loved hard boiled eggs and she would just turn them on and walk away and forget about them. And it's like, I don't know how many times she almost burned the house down doing that because she would forget and then they would like all the water would boil out and they would just explode on the ceiling, like all over the kitchen. And that's not like it happened one time. Like that happened multiple times. Um, speak up for those who can't speak up for themselves. Um, she was just, my mom worked at the courthouse and was like a, she also like throughout her life was a, an advocate for children that had been abused or neglected. And so she just really loved children and in that line of work, um, which props to anybody in that line of work, because that is a very hard job to do. Um, very, you know, a lot of like negativity and stuff every single day. I can't imagine that, but, um, she loved it. Absolutely loved helping people. Um, and then never forget to give yourself a break. So I remember there were times that like, right after I had Hadley, I just felt like I wasn't doing enough. Like I wasn't, I wasn't able to be a good mom. I wasn't able to do a good job at work. And I just was like running myself ragged, trying to be what I thought I was supposed to be. And she was like, you just need to give yourself a break. Like, just calm down. Everything's going to be okay. You know, you're putting more pressure on yourself than anybody else is, which is true a lot of times. So, uh, you know, when I'm getting really, really stressed out about stuff, I just, I hear her voice in the back of my head. Like, you just need to give yourself a break. Um, so yeah, that was just, that's a little bit about my mom. Um, so my last bit for this is I wanted to give people tips and this sounds so bad, but like tips for when you're grieving, um, and then tips for if you know somebody who is grieving. So the first thing is, um, So there is no right way to grieve. And the way I feel about things may not be the way that you see it or the way you feel about it. And and that might differ too between whether it was your dog or your sister or your mom or your dad or, or whoever. So the level of grief will definitely change depending on just the level of connection there, I would say. Um, and then also like if you can do anything, like journaling or maybe you podcast or maybe you draw or or whatever just to like channel that and then you can look back and say this is how far I've come I think is a really really good idea just to help you know like you're you know you're getting through it you're getting better and, and all of that um talk talk to somebody like whether that's your friend or your therapist or you know, whoever just talked to somebody. And that was really hard for me to talk to people that hadn't gone through the same thing I did. Like Brayden, like Brayden would used to get really offended because I'm like, I can't talk to you about this. You've never been through this. You don't understand what I'm feeling. You don't, you know, and 
he he was really frustrated because he was like, I'm still willing to listen. And so that was something we kind of had to work through because I, again, don't want to be vulnerable. And so, um, you know, I do talk to him about stuff now, but it was a struggle for a while. So, you know, whether you think someone wants to listen or not, most of the time people are very willing to listen. And so I heard this, I don't know if it's like a parable or a story, but, um, so, and this like always, like, I kind of go back to this when I think about grief, but, um, so grief is, is kind of like an ocean, right? And you're on this tiny, let's just say it's a, a, a canoe, right? I don't know whether to say kayak or canoe. A kayak would be hard in the ocean. So would a canoe, but this is just for visualization purposes. So you're in this canoe and when grief first happens, it's like these gigantic waves that are just like, boom, 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 but like just constant, right? Like it's this stormy sea and it just, it feels like you're drowning, right? Just wave after wave after wave, like reminder after reminder. And it's just, it's so hard. And then the waves start to kind of get fewer and farther between. You get a little bit more of a rest in between each wave. And then, you know, one day you kind of look up and and it's calm. And I feel like that's getting to that point of acceptance. Now, again, that's not to say that Christmas you aren't sad or birthdays aren't sad or um, Mother's Day or Father's Day or things like that. Because there are times that it's like this even though it happened 15, 20 years ago or two years ago or yes, like it's still just as hard as the day that it happened. And so I think just recognizing that and then there's times I remind Brayden too, like I'm just really struggling with, with, you know, Mother's Day that's coming up or, um, my birthday or the day that my mom died. Like I'm just really struggling with that. And so that's kind of why I'm being a, you know, like, really, um, like conflict or confrontational or whatever you want to say. So, um, a lot of times if I look at myself and like the deeper meaning behind it, it's kind of like, okay, this is what's going on. I just need to take a step back and not necessarily change how I'm feeling about it, but just give myself some grace and ask for that from Brayden or my family or whoever. And then if you know someone who is grieving, um, I would just say like we who have lost somebody would much rather have you reach out and say, hey, how are you doing with this? Than to not say anything at all. Like, yes, it is awkward and yes, it might upset us. But the feeling that you care is so much more overpowering than that of being upset. So just saying, Hey, I know that this happened and I'm here for you. If you need anything like go so far. Um, I did have a friend that like, just, it kind of like, I was kind of shocked. Like it just came, like she just came out of the woodwork basically. And like to this day is still one of my very, very best friends because, you know, during this time it was like, she was there for me and, kind of understood in ways that I think a lot of other people couldn't, even though she hadn't been in the same situation. So, 
Um, she like made it a point to understand and to ask. And, and it just, it meant so much to me that it, I will literally never forget it. Um, so just doing things like that. Um, if it's somebody who's lost somebody recently, like take them over food or a gift card to get food. If you are not a cook, um, just anything to kind of take that stuff off their plate so that they can focus on being with family and, and just stuff like that. I mean, a lot of people say, Hey, you know, I'm here if you need anything. And then there's like no action behind it. And so I just, I feel like when you can put action behind it, it really means a lot to people. And honestly, it's something that people never, ever forget. Um, just like they never forget those who didn't show up for it. So, I mean, that, that sounds kind of mean, but it's true. (laughs) Um, and then the last thing I kind of want to mention is that during all of this, you know, everything that's going on in the world right now, you can grieve anything. Like you can grieve the loss of somebody, the loss of a routine, the loss of your normal, you know, quote unquote normal life. If you're working from home or maybe the loss of a job, like you can grieve anything. And so I think it's really important to recognize that. And, you know, if you've just lost your job and you're feeling very upset about it, like look at those feelings. Like, am I in denial right now? Am I angry about it? Am I bargaining with myself? Like, well, if I did this, then this would have happened, you know, I could have done this better. And then I would have, you know, and a lot of that stuff is outside of anybody's control. So I think it's just really important to recognize those feelings of grief and say, am I in this, whether I've lost somebody or not, maybe I've just lost my routine and I'm feeling really just overwhelmed with the way things are right now. And thinking of like, okay, how, how am I going to help myself through this? So that is what I have on grief. I really apologize if it's very rambly and, and doesn't make a lot of sense. This is more cathartic for me than it is for anything else. But I hope that if you are grieving or you know somebody who's grieving, that somebody took something from this because I've been planning this episode for a really long time. And then I literally just made notes and was like, I'm going to do this tonight. So um, it is unedited and it's going to be very rough. So I really hope that everyone could at least glean something from this if you made it through the whole thing. Um, tonight I am drinking my coffee in my Ember mug because it's the best thing in the whole world. Um, I do have a quote that I want to leave you with and it is, hold on, let me find it. Um, so it's hard to turn the page when you know someone won't be in the next chapter, but the story must go on. And I think that's so accurate. Um, whether, you know, like I said before, you're losing a job, a friend, uh, you know, a parent, whatever it is, it's just really important to keep moving on with the story and even, you know, changing the narrative. So that's what I will leave you with. Um, I promise my next episode will be happier, hopefully, and have um, some better, just happier content. Um And yeah, that's all I have. Thank you for hanging out with me and I'll talk to you later. Bye. 
Hey, it's me. I knew you guys were probably busy supper or something or playing, uh, what did they call it? Scrabble or something. I'm not even sure what they call it with elderly people, but I'm sure it's probably really fun. But um, I just wanted to say hi to Hadley and tell her Grammy loves her and I'm glad she's feeling better. But no, I didn't. You don't call me back. I just was thinking about you guys and love you guys and I'll talk to you later. Bye.